Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. With a fitness business career that has stretched over 16 years, including 12 years in the franchise and entrepreneurial environments, Katie Jo Mitchell has a unique and aggressive perspective for what it takes to build successful franchise systems. She has led major franchise growth and rebuilding efforts in 10 franchises. Katie was awarded the In Business Magazine 40 Under 40 Class of 2020. Katie has spoken at several colleges on fitness and business, including UW-Madison, Platteville, and La Crosse. Katie has taught in seven different countries. Katie's been on radio with iHeartMedia, seen on Milwaukee's News Channel 6, Madison Channel 15, and Madison Magazine. In her spare time, she teaches to law enforcement tactical yoga through a company called Tactical Functional Training. Welcome to the show, Katie. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So as I was reading your bio, you said, it says here in your spare time, you teach tactical functional training. And I'm just wondering what kind of spare time you actually have. (laughs) Yeah, it's all perspective, right? It is. It's a lot of fun though. Um, When when you get to teach to special populations, I feel like it uh, really pulls out your creative side. So teaching law enforcement has uh, definitely challenged me. Uh, likewise, there's a couple of corporate accounts that Orange Shoe has with construction crews. And it is amazing to me that uh, when you're in studio teaching like a group of 10 gals who are the local moms group versus uh, teaching the construction workers or law enforcement, uh, how you morph a little bit to make sure you're fitting the needs of your population. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Match and mirror the personalities. <laughs> Put on the different hat. I totally get it. Um, so tell us, Katie, how did you originally start off in the fitness business? I love hearing about people's journeys from the get-go because I think a lot of us actually did not plan on being in fitness. So share your story with us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so as it, like just a kid growing up, I was always into athletics. I love sports. So I went to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse to get my degree in exercise sports science. Uh, my plan was to actually be a physical education teacher. So my first year out of college, I, um, I got a job teaching full-time phi ed. Uh, by Thanksgiving, I was crying and completely disappointed in taking four years of my life to become a teacher that Uh, I actually did not like it all. Um, So Thanksgiving 2004, uh, I actually was reading the classifieds at my in-laws. In the actual newspaper, I found an ad. It said, wanted full-time yoga and Pilates instructor. And I thought, this is it. (laughs) I can get paid to work out. Oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And at that time, I was already teaching a whole bunch of big box places. You know, I was teaching um, body flow for a big box. And you know, I was all mic'd up teaching 50, 60 people at a time, you know, the rah-rah. 
And uh, when I answered the ad for full-time yoga and Pilates instructor, it was at a place called Orange Shoe Gym, uh, actually, at that time. And when I interviewed, they were building the very first gym. Um, the, like, the floor was still dirt. They hadn't even poured the, the concrete for, for the wood floor. And uh, I took the job. I actually taught three yoga Pilates classes in the a.m. and then three in the p.m., and I kept my teaching job during the day. So literally morning, noon, and night, um, just, you know, working. And what was different about Orange Shoe versus the big box I was at is that Orange Shoe, they never had more than 10, 12 people in a class. And as a young person, I was absolutely shocked at the difference um, that I could make in a group of 10 or 12 as the, the teacher versus when I was teaching in groups of 50 or 60 at the big box that I was at. And that's uh, kind of where um, my heart changed. And I was like addicted to teaching small group personal training. And uh, so now I've been with Orange Shoe since 04. And I uh, just really believe in the model that if you, don't keep, if you uh, keep your groups to like 10 or less, you can really affect like huge amounts of change and form and technique and accountability, all that kind of stuff. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, one of the biggest misnomers out there to the general public is that when they take a group fitness class that they're going to be able to 100% achieve their goals, whereas when they're getting that more personalized attention, they're able to correct form and, you know, really pay attention to the details of what they're looking to achieve. So tell us, how did you end up on the business side of the fitness business? Yeah, so I was training a lot of hours and it was about 18 months after I was working for the, the founder of Orange Shoe that my husband and I, we were both training there. And uh, I said to my husband and both of us collectively, we're like, okay, we're either going to own our own gym or we're going to buy out this gym, but we're not going to work for somebody else the rest of our lives. Um, so we put uh, an offer in the gym that we were teaching at many rounds of negotiations and tweaking of, of the deal. We were able to negotiate a buyout. Um, so we actually bought that in 07. So it was three years after we started. Um, and then we owned that uh, specific location for 10 years, grew it to be very highly performing personal training boutique. And uh, after that 10 years, we decided we wanted more. We were ready for the next level and we put an offer in to purchase the holdings company. And that was in 2016. So we're going on our, our fourth year of that. That's amazing. Congratulations. Cause I think that's, you know, for a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that are working in gyms, that's like the dream, right? To go from being an employee to the owner. So what was that journey like? Were you a hundred percent sure that this was something that you wanted to do? Were you scared? Was there a learning curve? Share that with us. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Totally. Uh, everything we have done, it's like, being scared shitless and, and doing it anyways. Like that should be like the entrepreneur's MO, you know? Um, so of course, yeah. Cause a lot of it is like big investments. Uh, and you're not only investing hugely financially, but you're investing in, in people, you're investing in your teams of, of trainers, your, your clients, yourself. Um, so being scared and fearful 
and doing it anyway is a very huge piece of to where we have gone and where we're at. And explain to us a little bit more about the model for Orange Shoe. What are the key differentiators that really set Orange Shoe apart from some other facilities aside from the small class size? Sure. So, well, you know, if, if you had all day, I'd probably give you a list of a hundred different reasons why we're different. But in general, uh, how we are different is we have huge amounts of accountability and we pride our, ourselves on creating great relationships with our clients. So it's very high touch and you get to know your clients very well. It's very personal. How we've morphed over the years is gone into small group personal training. So we do one-on-ones as well as the small groups. But I, I honestly believe why we are so successful is the huge amounts of accountability that our trainers and owners have with the clients. I mean, I love just when I had looked at your website the other day, I love that it said, here's who we're not. I just thought that was very bold and very different. I haven't seen anything like that on a fitness website. So kudos to you for really stepping out and taking, you know, those big leaps and and identifying who you're not and going after the clients that, you know, do benefit from your uh, format. I do think that you know, there's a lot of people that are out there that are, you know, working in gyms that are thinking, I one day want to be an owner. I one day want to open up my own gym. And obviously we both know that working in the fitness business and owning a fitness business are two different uh, animals. So what advice would you give to somebody that's listening to this, that's maybe thinking about opening their own gym or studio? Uh, I wouldn't do it on my own. <laughs> I, w- I would find uh, a group that I could have a team of support. So I feel like uh, one of the reasons that we've been able to risk as much as we have and uh, build our businesses the way we have is we've always tied in to groups of people who have either done what we want to do and we take advice from them. So for example, like when we, we bought the the first gym, it was part of a franchise. And the fact that we had a franchisor to go to and even just like play devil's advocate and just knew somebody had our backs and was willing to help us. And they wanted our financial success for us as much as we wanted it for ourselves is huge. Um, I think doing it all on your own uh, without a super supportive group, it would be definitely tougher. Like, so I'm, I'm really glad that we're, uh, so there's, you know, 10 owners that we can, collaborate with what's working what's not you know uh during COVID-19 oh my gosh it was like just the best thing ever it has had to tie into to other groups of knowing what's working what's not and you know being able to play those ideas off of each other was awesome Yeah, absolutely. And you made a really good point earlier with relationships. So it's so important to have those key relationships with the clients, but also the people that you're doing business with to have those relationships to be able to lean on somebody and say, Hey, what are your best practices? What do you think about this? How should we handle this? It's all about, you know, bouncing ideas off of others. So with that being said, what's been the biggest struggle for you in your business? I would guess taking a huge ideas or projects and then breaking them down into small chunks so you don't get too overwhelmed. And really like, I feel like any thing that you do really great, it starts out with like tiny bits at a time. So you get through this part today, 
you got through it today and then you move into tomorrow. So chunking down big projects. Um, but if I was going to say what is the most challenging portion of being a business owner in general, I would say it's lease negotiations on the front end of a business. So the biggest mistake I've seen other businesses make is negotiating with huge, uh, I don't want to call them tyrants, but they are in a way like you have these guys who own a building. It's worth $92 million and they are so well-versed. They know exactly what they're doing. And here you have like, say like a 30 year old woman who wants to own a business and she's negotiating her darndest and using, you know, her commercial broker that's supposed to work for her. And uh, if you're not incredibly knowledgeable and very careful, you walk yourself into a position that you won't be successful in your first couple of years of business. So my best advice and toughest challenges is just make sure when you're walking through lease negotiations, you got a good team of people working on your stuff. That is such a good point, Katie, because it's like the big boys versus the little kids. It's, it, it really can be, you know, and you're, and you're, you know, using, you know, maybe legal zoom to try to get legal advice as opposed to somebody that has like lawyers on retainer that, you know, eat people for breakfast. So I have seen also, I have seen people that got themselves into kind of a precarious situation because they're just really busting their hump just to pay off the rent on a monthly basis. And it's really frustrating for them. And it kind of takes the joy out of the business. So that's such a really good point that you brought up. So Katie, you are in an unusual situation in that you work with your husband. So I'd love to learn a little bit about how that works because my husband and I are also in the fitness business. I am on the consulting sales marketing side and then my husband owns a Pilates and physical therapy center. And we actually keep things completely separate. So I want to hear from you how that works, working with your spouse and, and, and getting involved like that. Yeah, well, it's dynamic to say the least. And uh, if I said it was a cakewalk, that would be uh, not true. It's it's uh, it's good most of the time, but there's definitely some huge challenges. Uh, we do have some loose lanes that we try to stay in. So we establish, you know, his role responsibility is this and mine is that. I would say we stay in those lanes about 60% of the time. Uh, because we do, we are so passionate about our business. So if I'm working on something that's in my lane and he he's like, whoa, wait a minute, I see these huge roadblocks. I got to jump in here a little bit. He'll do that and vice versa. So we try to deliberately set like roles and responsibilities, attempt to stay in those lanes, but know that they are going to cross and overlap a little bit. That's a really good point. And I think whether it's, you know, a romantic relationship, a partner like that, or just a business relationship, I think it's really important to, you know, be self-aware and play to one another's strengths. Like, hey, I'm really great at, you know, operations. You're really great at, you know, teaching. You, you know, educate the instructors. I'll handle the operations and, and whatnot. That makes a lot of sense. So take me through an average day as a franchisor. What does that look like? Is there an average day? <laughs> uh, no, I would say it's very different every single day. 
I'm in charge of all of our um, construction and design processes. And so I kind of feel like I feast in famine a little bit. So right now I'm coming to the end of a relocate in Chicago. And there'll be like a couple of weeks where the, the toss of the lease back and forth is incredibly intense. Um, looking for spaces and tents and then the build out and you know making sure that the construction crew is accountable for everything that reads in the lease so it's really high touch very intense and then that'll be it'll be a climax right so like it's it's going to be all done next week and then I'll get to have this huge amount of breathing space before my next project starts but then there's times where it's like okay uh, last summer we were actually building three gyms at the same time and so that was like crazy intense versus just one at a time. But it just really ebbs and flows. Um, it's funny with the, the COVID-19 stuff. I, before that, was having plenty of uh, free time to work on whatever project I wanted to work on. And then all of a sudden, boom, all your gyms are shut down. And it's morning, noon, and night trying to figure out how you're going to make sure each franchisee is going to survive. Uh, so there was just a lot of hustle on um, converting all of our personal training went from in-person, in-studio to Zoom, virtual personal training groups, as well as one-on-ones. So really flipping the whole company from in-studio to online was insane. Um, it just took a lot of time and energy to make sure that our formats were still good and deliverable. People were still staying accountable and having actions, but to answer your question, every day is very, very different. Some days are a cakewalk. I can be done at one o'clock and go swimming with my kids. And other days I'll be putting out fires morning, noon, and night. Right, right. Are you planning on staying online as well now post COVID-19 or are you just pulling the plug on that? Oh, no, not at all. So I know someday we will look back and be very grateful for COVID-19. Uh, we're not there quite yet. <laughs> I'm not super grateful quite yet, but I know we'll get there. Uh, because what's happening is not only can we do our in-studio personal training, but now we can reach out and do so much more. So no, we're, we're going to do uh, virtual training as long as uh, clients love it and demand it the one-on-ones as well as, as the group. And we're actually working on building out uh, a virtual studio so it's easier to manage over time. I love that idea. Yeah, it's quality control. I think right now everybody is very forgiving. They're just so grateful to get access online that they don't care if somebody's dog is walking in the background, you know? But I think yeah. over time the expectations will be changing. So Katie, I another question that I want to ask you that I, I love to talk to women in the fitness business, specifically moms, because, you know, my personal experiences, I've always worked with a lot of men. I've been very fortunate to have some amazing mentors, but they're, they're all male. Um, and very few women that I've worked with have kids. So how do you balance being a mom and being a businesswoman? Deep breaths. I use a lot of my yoga training. <laughs> um, honestly, like uh, I feel like being an entrepreneur is the the game of all games, right? And so, so I feel really lucky to be a part of that highly competitive arena. Um, I think that my children watching 
is a great blessing because they're turning into wonderfully competitive little uh, men and women themselves. But as it comes to, to balance, I do put some pretty hard lines on boundaries. Like uh, when it's three o'clock, I'm full-time mom, you know, three to, three to eight o'clock at night. Uh, if I need to answer a couple phone calls or emails, the kids know they got to be quiet for a few minutes so I can work through whatever's happening. They get it. Uh, but they're all old enough now. It was different when they were littles. So my youngest are, are eight right now. So they understand that, you know, mom and dad are working hard on their businesses. And if they got to be quiet here and there for intermittent phone calls and emails, they, they do, they do a really good job. Uh, when it comes to, um, being a woman or a mom in business, I have uh, gone out of my way to make sure I have really supportive groups that I'm involved in. So for a while, I belonged to the Women in Fitness Association. Um, and just listening to other women be successful is huge. You have, you have to hear it. And then uh, when you belong to those groups, you hear the tiny details about like, you know, the mom doing a podcast with laundry sitting in the background or, you know, and when you hear those things, it makes it feel more normal and you appreciate yourself uh, a little bit more. Um, some other groups that I've belonged to, um, there's a group called the Dames and that one's like all about like women who are just like hardworking badasses. And if the more you hang out and, and with the, with groups like that, the more you start to believe in yourself and, and everything that you're doing. There's like a couple other ones too. Uh, there's a, a broads group I belong to. It's literally called the broads. And uh, in the group, they only allow, I think the rule is you have to make a hundred K or more to be able to belong to the group. And I'm not sure if that's actually tied to high performing women, but that's just the standard that they, they set. And then um, listening to how everybody does it different. Isn't that crazy? You know, like you have some moms who get the nanny so they can do whatever, you know, they want. Then there's the other moms who kind of like I do, it's just like you juggle it all. You just, you know, figure it, figure it out. Um, when the kids were younger, my husband and I both agreed that we didn't want to put our kids in daycare full time, but we also didn't see each other a lot. And that was just a decision or sacrifice we made. So he did the, the AM shift and I would do the PM shift. So the kids always had mom or dad home. And that's just the way we did it. It wasn't right or wrong. Um, but it's fascinating how so many women and families do it so different. I don't actually think there is a norm. Well, I think you brought up a really good point and something that makes a lot of sense is leaning on others. Maybe it could be outside of your immediate workplace and understanding and learning from other successful women who have, you know, quote unquote balance. <laughs> what is balance, right? <laughs> but um, who have done it and learning from them. Um, yes, I actually interviewed Lindsay from uh, WIFA on this podcast as well. And we talked about that too, because anytime I get the opportunity to talk to another woman in fitness, I'm, I'm always curious as to how they do it, because it's something that I personally have, have struggled with a lot. You know, work it, for me is always something that I excel at. So it's easy for me to kind of like hide in work. You know, it's like, I know I'm always going to do a good job at work, but sometimes I question myself as a mom, you know, did I make the right decision? Yeah. Was I too stern? You know? Yeah. Oh, um, I totally understand 
understand what you're, <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think a lot of ladies feel that way. And isn't it amazing that, uh, at like 5,000 years later with humans, there's still no manual that will help you figure it out. You know, like each child, each parent is so uniquely different and you just figure it out one day at a time. Exactly. Day by day. It's just like business, right? <laughs> so speaking yeah. of business, talk to us a little bit about your ideal franchisee. If somebody was interested in finding out more about Orange Shoe and was interested in becoming a franchisee, what kind of parameters do you look for? Sure. Well, number one, I'd want them to be incredibly passionate about helping other people. Uh, number two, if they were a really great personal trainer already that had had an open mind on how they can grow uh, personal training outside of themselves. So they have to have really an, an infinite mindset of believing that they can help more people uh, do more um, outside of themselves. Uh, what we have found, like especially early on in our personal training careers, is that a lot of times a personal trainer um, gets stuck in almost like a narcissistic mindset. They're like, the way I do it is best, you know, only... I can be the personal trainer. My clients only love me. Um, and to be honest with you, I was there for a while. Um, when I was younger, I was like, I'm the best. This is amazing. Everybody loves me. And with the push of my husband, uh, if it wasn't for him, I'd still be there. But he's always like, hey, Katie, <laughs> you know, we can, we can work with more people. I, actually, a lot of people are really great at personal training. <laughs> so uh, he did a good job of pushing me to think uh, a lot bigger than myself. Uh, a good example is, uh, oh, uh, I've been reading multipliers and it says right in there, it says, that's amazing if you are a genius, but you are only truly a genius when you figure out how to help other people become genius. And you know, that's kind of the mindset. So we're looking for people for Orange Shoe who are like that. You know, there's always more room for more great people. I love that. Um, yes, I definitely think that, you know, age brings perspective. And as we get older, we realize how little we really have figured out and that, you know, collaborating with others and learning from others is really the way to get through life and succeed because, you know, we don't have it all figured out. And the more we surrender to that and accept that it's a lifelong learning process that doesn't end, you know, when you graduate college, <laughs> there's still so much to learn. Learn, um, and learning from others is really the way to, to make it happen. So you have 10 locations now, right? For, for Orange Shoe and, and what, what's coming down the pipeline? Anything you want to share with the audience? Yeah, right now, um, our major goal is to make sure each franchisee is making as much money as they want. So, uh, happiness to us is making sure that we have really happy franchisees. So our model is based off of making sure everybody's being the, the best version of them, themselves. Uh, we believe in slow, steady growth. So the growth plan over the next five years is adding, you know, two to four locations uh, per year. Um, we actually added in, uh, what was it, two, two open last July. Um, so they're in their first six months, um, or well, now we're going on a year. So making sure that those locations um, are making as much money as, as they want, that's our number one goal. I love that because I, I think, 
you know, a lot of people get into the franchise business because they're just trying to pump out as many locations as possible. Mm -hmm. And some of the franchisees, you know, in my experience for some franchisees that I've consulted with, they're really kind of like left on their own. And to have that support from professionals that have personally been there, you've been there, you've built the business, you were there since the very beginning. That's really an, you're an invaluable resource to your franchisees. And I love your outlook on, you know, the growth of your business. And I do believe that anything sustainable happens slowly over time. It doesn't just necessarily explode. It's very hard to keep up with that. So Katie, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of your amazing insights with us and your personal experience um, from, you know, being a a PE teacher to becoming a a trainer to now a successful uh, business owner. This is amazing. Thank you. I know that you've inspired me and I'm sure you've inspired our listeners as well. So if somebody wants to find out more about you or aren't you, where could they find out more? Yeah, just go to orangeshoe.com. Yep, that's all, pretty easy. <laughs> all the other, our web, yeah, orangeshoe.com. Our website is really awesome. So if you get the chance, uh, yeah, go in there and play around. And remember I mentioned earlier that um, they do have listed out all the things that they're not. So you definitely have to go to orangeshoe.com and take a peek at that. Thank you so much, Katie. Oh, thank you. Hi everyone, this is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.